0: Thanks for joining our church family at the cross. We pray that this message speaks to your soul and brings you many blessings. We want to take a second and make sure that you are up to date on all things the cross. So be sure to head over to our website, thecross.family. Here's where you can subscribe to our newsletter, check out our ministries and get plugged in. Now, here's the latest message from the cross church. Blessings. So good to be with you all on another beautiful, beautiful Sunday morning. Um, I don't know if you're anything like me, but when Pastor Jacob was up here earlier talking about his life ambition from the time he was a kid, did anybody else think they had a different childhood to Pastor Jacob? Because uh, I definitely did. At age five, I wanted to kill Skeletor, not say the Lord has been risen. Um, but it's uh, it's so good to be with you. We are actually diving into a brand new series today. Um, As you all know, we just came through Purpose Driven Life, and that was absolutely fantastic. That took us all the way to Easter Sunday. And now what we're going to do over the next 15 weeks, oh boy, that sounds very, very long. I know, it sounds like a slog. Um, But over the next 15 weeks, we are going to do a series called Garden to the Grave. We are going to start in the book of Genesis and we are going to work our way all the way to the place where we do Transformation Sunday at the end of the summer, where we are going to end in the in the Gospels. So we are going to take a journey right throughout the Old Testament. And our hope and our goal is to do it in such a way that we can actually start to make sense of this timeline. Have, have any of you found the Old Testament to be a wee bit, tiny bit confusing at times, Right? It's like you're reading one thing and then it jumps to another thing and then there's an ark with animals on it and then there's another thing and then Job is jobless. I mean it's just it's, it can get like there's a lot you know there's a lot going on there. So what we want to do is, is over the next 15 weeks, we want to actually help you put together a nice timeline with all the most significant events all the way from Genesis to the Gospels. And I believe it will not only help us to understand the Old Testament better, but it will help us to understand what Jesus has done for us better. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Uh, Pastor Mark, you're out of your mind if you think I'm going to be coming to church 15 weeks in a row. Um, I I don't even know that I'll be doing that. So what we will be doing is we're going to be creating a series with a bunch of standalone episodes. So even if you missed an episode, you could just slot right in and enjoy the next episode. Um, We're going to do it that way. And essentially what we're going to try to do every week is answer three questions. We are going to try to answer the first question, what is actually taking place in the text? What is happening historically in this moment? That's the first thing we're going to look at. Then we're going to ask ourselves the question, how does this still relate to us today, if at all? And then we're going to try to answer the most important question of all questions. Where is Jesus in the text? Where is the good news or the gospel in the text? So that's what we're going to be doing. It's going to be fantastic. Um, And we are kicking off this morning with a bang, ladies and gentlemen. We are starting in Genesis And uh, (laughs) no other place to start. Um, And we're actually going to be staying or living in Genesis for four weeks because there is a lot happening in the book of Genesis. But we are going to go right to the beginning today. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. We do not need to skip anything straight to the source. Where does it start? And it says this, in the beginning. That's the start. That is the Hebrew word for beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I don't know that there is a more simplistic piece of Scripture in the Bible that packs a bigger punch and that has bigger um, repercussions than this line. What this line is telling us from Scripture is before there was anything else, When there was a big fat void with nothing, there was I am, there was Yahweh, there was God. Before anything, there was God, and God then creates everything. If we are sitting here today and we are Bible-believing Christians, we believe that Scripture tells us that God is the creator of everything. We don't believe that there was an accident or a mistake or this or that or a storm or a firecracker or a weird thing. We believe that God actually created everything. Now, this sounds simple enough and different people fall into different places with this. Um, I know that my attitude at times is, and there can be a lot of debate around how did it all begin and how is it all going to end, right? We can get very caught up in these things. I can get very uh, simplistic in my own mind and I go, well, we know it started because I'm here and let's just get on with it. Let's, Let's get on with what we need to do. We don't have to get stuck in the weeds about everything. But there is something though that we need to look at and there are some repercussions to this belief or this understanding of the fact that God is the creator. If God is in fact the creator of all things, If he is in fact the author of all life, one of the consequences of that truth is the following. If he created it all, surely he has a say over it all. If he is the creator of everything, surely he has authority over everything. What I've come to realize is this we actually struggle more with the second part than the first part of that statement. We, we struggle maybe a little bit with the concept or the idea of a, a supernatural being creating everything, but what we struggle with more than that um, in 2022 as Americans, what we struggle with more than the idea of a creator is the idea of anybody or anything having authority over us. We struggle with this idea. I, uh, I was reading in the week an article about uh, Harry Potter world. I don't know if that's the right terminology for it. So if you're a nerd, so what? I don't care what the actual <laughs> actual phrasing for it is. But you know, Universal Studios, Harry Potter one and two, there's the castle and the train and there's a lot going on there. There's a dragon but I was reading a little article about this, and they were essentially saying that this whole thing cost about $265 million to put together. Little bit more than your kitchen summer renovation budget, right? So <laughs> big project, lots of minds, lots of managers, lots of people speaking into it. But one person had the final say on almost everything that took place in this $265 million project. She had so much say over what was going on that things had to be passed through her. And essentially, there were moments where she would veto things because it's not the way she wanted it to be. And they would have to do things that felt impractical and not what it should have been because of her say so. Who on earth can have this much power over Harry Potter world, you might ask? Answer is simple. J.K. Rowling, the author and the creator of Harry Potter World, had the final say with a lot of what happened with a $265 million budget. Why is that? It's because she was the creator. Therefore, she has say and she has authority. The Bible, if the Bible is accurate this morning, and God is the creator of the world, That ultimately means that God is the main authority in this world and not us. The repercussions of this for us today is that we are to submit ourselves to the authority of the Creator. Um, I will say this to you this morning. I, I think we can all agree with the fact that we are living during a time where there are lots of ideas. Floating around. Um, There's lots of ideas around how life should work. There's lots of ideas around how it shouldn't work. We are getting very creative. We are very vocal. There's a lot of avenues. There's a lot of communication. There's a lot of things going on and a lot of people thinking and saying a lot of things. But as Christians this morning, it is not our responsibility to figure out what the latest fad is. But it is our responsibility to know what the creator and the author has to say about things. And then it is our our responsibility to submit ourselves to His will, to His word, and to His purpose, and to His plan. Now, there are some benefits to this. Let Let me say this to you. Um, I do think that if you've been around a little bit, and if you're a seeker, and if you've been looking for truth, and if you've been looking for some purpose in your life, if you've been strolling through the supermarket of life philosophy, I do think you would have realized that there's a lot of options out there. So this idea of actually having a blueprint or a final authority that we can go to to find answers, in some ways is an amazing thought, is it not? I don't have to look any further. I don't have to figure anything out. I don't have to be creative. There's already a creator. I simply need to go back to the blueprint. I need to go back to the original creator to find out what his will is, and then I need to submit myself to that. Easy peasy chicken peasy, right? (laughs) Could not be easier than that. Here is the problem, ladies and gentlemen. The the good news is, is that we have somewhere where we can go find the blueprint, the original. The bad news is this. We have drifted so far away as a culture and as people from God's original design and from God's original blueprint and from God's original purposes that we have shifted all the way to a place that what is normal for us today, even you, yes, you sitting there, what is normal for us now is very far removed from a lot of what God's perfect will is for us. I say that to you this morning because it's easy to say, ah, okay, I get this. I need to find out what God's will for this is, and then I need to simply submit myself to it. Easy it's not easy. It's definitely not easy when what's normal and good and exciting for you is no longer what is good and acceptable in God's sight. I, um, I'm going to talk this morning, speak about a couple of areas that I believe we need to submit ourselves to the authority of God to, but I'm, I'm going to give you a warning today, and this is just how it is, As I go back to the blueprint, as I go back to Genesis, as I go back to the creator to find out what he has to say about some of these things, some of us are going to feel very uncomfortable. We're not just going to feel uncomfortable. We're going to feel like it is outright wrong. We're going to go, I hear what you're saying, but this doesn't fit in with where I'm at in 2022. I need to say this to you. I my biggest problem as a leader is I am very agreeable. Um, do you know what the word, the term agreeable means? I am a people pleaser. It's so all I want to do is please people. In my mind, the perfect world is all of us together out there somewhere. There's a big fire going. We're all holding hands. I think we're wearing loincloths. We're just sort of <laughs> dancing. We're dancing. There's a lot of dancing. There's a tambourine. There's fairies, there's s'mores at some point. We're all just having a good old time minding our own business together in unity. In my mind, that's what I want. But the reality is, is this. If we are going to go back to the blueprint, if we're gonna go back to what God's word has to say about stuff, it is impossible for us to please everybody and stay in accordance with his word. And I am the guy that decided to sign up for the job where I'm in the middle now and I'm trying to please you and him at the same time and I fail both most of the time. But this morning what I'd like to do is is I'd like to present to you that as we go through this, I I don't possess the power to force you to live your life in any way you want to live it. You can live your life any way you want to live it. But my responsibility today is to bring to you the truth of what Christian worldview is around some of these topics. What you do with that is on you. My responsibility and my job is to make sure that I'm clear and bringing to you what God's word has to say about some of these things. Are, Are we good this morning? Okay, all right, so let's move forward here. First thing that we see in the book of Genesis, the first thing that we find is this. God is the one who establishes our identity, not us. He is the creator of you, not you. Oh boy, but we do love DIY projects, don't we? I put a Pinterest in the other day of myself. Couldn't find it, but I was trying to look for an example that I should be aiming at, right? But we love, love, love DIY projects and we love working on ourselves. And I am just not sure that there's ever been a time in history where we are more confused about who we are and what we're called to then now in 2022. I was uh, lying by a swimming pool quite some time ago. Can't remember when it was. Could have been 10 years ago, three years ago, two days ago. My memory's not that great anymore, but I was out there somewhere. And as I was lying there, I noticed that everybody around me, my age, had like a ton of tattoos, And as I was looking at this, I thought to myself, I have become the uncoolest guy I know, right? It's time for me to get mom with an anchor and a heart on my shoulder, right? Time for me to get a tattoo. Um, There's a massive canvas to work on you. And I'm just sitting there. And as I'm sitting there, I go, you know, I feel like when I was a kid, they were tattoos, but it was rock stars and bikers, I feel like, right? It wasn't just everybody had tons of tattoos. So I actually Googled it. I'm like, Google, I need you. I need you to speak to me. Why is it that I feel like there's more tattoos now than there was when I was a kid? Let me just add this uncoolest thing. ever. So Google actually responded by saying, you are the biggest dork ever. But Okay. Uh, This article popped up and essentially I found it very, very fascinating. This article essentially started speaking about the fact that times are changing so quickly and people are being bombarded with so much information and they are being forced into so much change in this generation that people are looking for anything to hang on to, anything. So what starts to happen with some people when they tattoo their bodies, this article was saying is that it literally becomes like reminders, memorials, markers. It's like your body becomes a journal and you are journaling your life literally on your body to remind you of where you've come from, who you are, and where you're going. Super fascinating, right? But there is this this moment in time where we are all grasping and we are struggling and we are reaching for identity somewhere. Where can we possibly find it? Come with me to Genesis Chapter 1, verses 26 to 28, first thing we read was that God created everything, therefore He's the authority over everything, but now it says this, verse 26, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. This was also the first rap song. So by the way, uh, male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fall the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. As Christians today with a Christian worldview, when we go back to the blueprint, when we go back to the beginning, we will very quickly realize that it is not our job to create an identity for ourselves, but it is our job to discover who God has made us to be. How do I grow in my identity? How do I evolve in my identity? Growing in your identity is not you building an avatar that you think it should be. Growing in your identity is discovering who the real true you is that God made you to be. Bible tells us here that He makes us in His image. And I want you to understand that your body forms part of your God-given identity the body God gives you forms part of your God-given identity. You are not separate from your body. And I'm going to dive into that in a minute. What does this mean for us today? This means that your God-given gender forms part of your God-given identity. These two things are not separate. We are not separated from the body. I, uh, I think even in Christian circles, we struggle to understand this concept a little bit. We have become very spiritual. and We have become very mystical when it comes to this concept of who the true us is. And somewhere along the road, we've gone, well, there's Casper, the friendly ghost that lives on the inside of us. That's the real me. And then there is this body that I've sort of been cursed with, and it's not that great. And I'm just sort of this, you know, Loch Ness monster walking around. That's not scriptural, and that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches us that we and our body are together. We are married. We are one. You cannot separate who God has made you to be from your body. Okay, Pastor Mark, I hear what you're saying, but the Bible says that we will get brand new bodies one day. Booyah. This is why I went to seminary and you did not, because that's not what it says. You're close though, four out of 10. Good job. But Philippians 3 verses 20 to 21 says it this way. But our citizenship is in heaven and I'll eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, listen to this, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. The resurrection of Christ is the best picture and the best example we have of what is going to happen to us when Jesus comes back. Who remembers what I spoke on last week? Okay, nobody, somebody. Okay, great. Um, I don't know if you remember this, but I remember, do you remember that when Jesus appears to the disciples, he actually allows Thomas to touch the scars in his hands and in his body. It's the same body. When Jesus walks out of the tomb, he doesn't come out like RoboCop, you know, like new body. It's the same body, but now that body is redeemed, it's transformed, and it is glorified. So here's the deal this morning. When Jesus chooses to come back, whenever he comes back, he will call us home and your body will be raised up from the grave. Scary zombie stuff, I know. And your body will be transformed and your body will be redeemed. But it will still be you because you and your body are actually one. Bible goes on and it says this. uh, Paul says this in 1 Corinthians. Jacob actually mentioned it. Paul actually says, hey, do not do all kinds of things that you should not be doing. Do you not know that your what? Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And then Paul goes on to say that it doesn't even belong to you. You've got this puppy on rental. It belongs to him, right? (laughs) Because he paid for it and he's the one that's redeemed it. So the first thing we need to understand is that he is the one that gives identity. He is the one that establishes who we are. And we cannot separate our body from who we are. It's one in the same but does God make mistakes? That's a great question. Psalm 139, 13 to 16. And it says this, for you, were created, you, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderful made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. This does not sound random. This does not sound like a mistake. This does not sound like God didn't know what He was doing on the day He made you. He made you perfectly. He made you beautifully. He has an incredible plan for your life. And as much as I understand that there are many people that are dealing with very, very severe things, I don't want to belittle that for one second this morning. Please hear my heart on this. I believe with all of my heart, though, that true life, real life, real transformation is found in our submitting to Him, no matter how unconventional, how painful, or how weird it might feel. It is when we go back to the blueprint, it is when we go back to the source that I believe we will experience real life. So hear me this morning. Your identity is not found in your creativity or your trying to produce something else. Your identity is found in who He made you to be. And I believe that real peace, real joy, real transformation takes place when we rest in that, submit to that, and allow the Holy Spirit to work in that. Okay, you thought it wasn't going to get any awkwarder, but I will deliver, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) I will make it even more awkward this morning. And the older I get, the more I actually like awkwardness. I kind of like it. But let's move on. Yeah, Next thing that I saw in Scripture um, is this. Um, God is the one that determines our identity, not us. Next thing I want to talk about is this. God is the one that determines the use and place of sex, not us. Some of you are going, did he just say the word that I think he said? Depending upon what your motives are, I would say yes or no. I will not deny or confirm that I said anything this morning. But uh, we need to look at this and we need to speak about this again simply just because there is so much confusion and there is so much hurt around this topic. I saw a movie the other day that was the biggest. Gosh, they were trying so hard, but it just didn't work. Have you noticed that DC is trying so desperately to be like Marvel? And it's it's just sad for me at this point but I was watching some DC movie where Superman was a baddie now. Did you see this movie? Um, They raise him from the dead and he's like super angry and he's got all kinds of issues. And you know, um, he sort of now starts destroying everybody because he was good Superman, but now he's bad Superman. And uh, the reality is, is that when Superman is good and right in the right context, he saves the world four times over. When Superman becomes bad Superman, he will destroy everything in his wake. I want to tell you this morning that sex is a little bit like good Superman, bad Superman. Sex is a blessing from the Lord. It is a gift from God. In the right context, used in the right way, it is like Superman. Is it a bird? Is it a plane? It's Superman, right? (laughs) In the wrong context, it becomes evil Superman and it kills Aquaman. Are you with me? So, and Batman for that matter. So what I want to do today is is I want to take us right back to the blueprint. Let's go back to the blueprint. Let's go back to the beginning. What is this supposed to be? What is it supposed to look like? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to go all the way to Genesis chapter 2. Just hang with me here for a little minute. And I want to show you how this all comes to being. So Genesis 2 verses 7 to 8 verse 7, it says, Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Now, the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. Okay, so fantastic. So, Adam is on the map. God has created him. He created him from the dirt. He was literally the first dirt bag. Um, <laughs> he was a teenage dirt bag, baby. Uh, so, so, God creates Adam puts him in a corner in the garden and says, okay, let's check this thing out. Genesis 2 verses 18, the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. Um, the original Hebrew means I will make him a supervisor, someone that can manage him. Um, <laughs> is actually what this means. God created a dirt bag, put him by himself in the garden, and 10 minutes later, God was like, okay, this is not going to work. <laughs> I can just see Adam like burning stuff. Hey, hey. <laughs> God, I blew up a mango. What do you think? Gee. <laughs> I'm making a female. It's us uh, calm down. Genesis 2 verses 21 to 25. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man and he brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman for she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and his mother and is united to his wife. And they became one flesh." Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. Okay, so this is a little woodstocky, the sea now. So now we've got a beautiful garden. We've got two naked people running around. It's going to get a little crazy. Um, My question then is where exactly does sex enter into the picture? Where does it happen? So we have Adam that has been created now. We have Eve that has been created now. So when does it happen? Genesis 4 verses 1, it finally happens and it says this, Adam made love to his wife Eve and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later she gave birth to his brother Abel. So, I understand that I've given a lot of scripture here to get to this moment. But the first question we have to answer here is, in what context did God decide to introduce sex? When does sex enter into the picture? At what point in the created order did God say, okay, cool, we need to put this in here. And I want you to see something with me. Verse 25, when it speaks about God creating Eve, it says this, Adam and his wife, isn't that interesting? Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. So immediately, right in the beginning, it's not like they were boyfriend and girlfriend first. Adam didn't give Eve a promise ring at the prom and then it didn't work out for a couple of years during college and then they reconnected on MySpace. It's not how this (laughs) happened, right? Right? Right in the beginning, He creates Adam and Eve and immediately He creates them in the context of marriage. So when does sex step into the story? When God creates Adam and Eve, He creates them in the context of not only being male and female, but He creates them in the context of husband and wife. This is extremely significant because it shows us the following. Sex, the way God originally designed it, came to being in the context of marriage between one man and one female. So what does that mean for us in 2022 with everything that's going on? It means this. Sex falls under the positive authority of God when it lives in the context of marriage between one man and one woman. Now, (laughs) Have you ever watched the show Kitchen Nightmares? (laughs) You haven't because you're Christians. It's good. I've seen the show. (laughs) Saw it one time by accident. I was on a plane. It was the only thing showing, so I watched it. And what happens is, is Gordon Ramsay goes into failing restaurants, and uh, they call him in, and they go, Gordon, you're an incredible chef. Everything is falling apart. Our restaurant's falling apart. Our lives are falling apart. Our businesses are falling apart please, can you help us? Then Gordon will do the following. He will go, okay, cool. Well, let's have a conversation. How do you think this restaurant's running? Brilliant. Like I think it's the most brilliantly run restaurant ever. So Gordon goes, okay, so you're failing, but it's running brilliant. Great. Next question. How would you say the food is in this restaurant? Well, Gordon, to be honest with you, I feel like we got the best food in the county. Got it. So you're failing, but you got the best food in the county. Good. Next question. How would you say the service is in this restaurant? Gordon, I've got to be honest with you, pal. We sort of created service. Like we are all about service. Got it again. So everything is failing and falling apart, but you've got the best service, best restaurant, best attitude, best menu, best chef. Got it. What then happens, and I'll save you five seasons of Kitchen Nightmares, (laughs) is Gordon goes into the back, the kitchen's dirty, cleans everything up, and inevitably somewhere in the show, they will present Gordon with the menu that they have as a restaurant. They'll give it to him. Gordon will look at it and he will go, this menu is bigger than Cheesecake Factory's menu. There is no way you guys are actually doing all of these items well. So when we relaunch the restaurant, I am creating a brand new menu. Same thing happens every single time. I can actually host Kitchen Nightmares at this point. (laughs) The big reveal comes. The big day comes. Everybody's excited. They run in. They're like, man, we're so excited. And inevitably, at some point, Gordon goes, I'm giving you the new menu. That's going to transform this restaurant. That's going to change your lives. And he slips over one piece of paper and it has like three things on it. And the owner goes, but we had 75 things on the last menu. This has three on it. You're going to sink us. You're going to end us. And then Gordon goes, no, you had 75 things on the menu that was awful. You now have three things that people are actually going to want to eat. Stick to the menu. I say all that to say to you, that I believe God's sex menu is like Gordon Ramsay's menu. There's very little on that menu, right? We have created a menu with multiple things on it. Lots of options, lots of choices. It's like a buffet. It's like the golden corral out there. But God has come in and said, is this working for you? And we have gone, no, Lord, we're miserable. And he's gone, well, here's your new menu. Sex between a man and a woman in the context of marriage. Lord, this is the worst menu I've ever seen. It's the most boring menu I've ever seen. Please give us something else. And the Lord goes, no, that is what I'm giving you because that is what I will bless. I want to say this to you today. Um, Pastor Mark, easy for you to say, like you, you're not dealing with issues. You don't have stuff that you're going through. Who, I mean, easy peasy, right? I was exposed to pornography when I was very young. I was a little kid. I was exposed to it. I got very used to it. At a very young age. Um, Pornography was a normal thing for me when I was 10, 11, 12 years old. It became a part of me. It was a part of my identity. It's a part of who I was. When I became 19 years old, I found myself in Bible school, and I had no idea why I was there, what I was doing. At this point in the game, I had this wall that I built in my room that literally had pictures of women in bikinis and naked pictures on my wall in my bedroom. It was kind of creative and I was kind of proud of it, right? It was just there. I go to Bible school and like one week in, I'm like, so everything I am is wrong. I've got to to rethink and readjust and realign myself with who God says that I am. I can no longer be the old person again. So I went on, put on some Pink Floyd and I tear down the wall. You know what I mean? (laughs) Tore it down, me and the Holy Spirit. But I had to submit myself to a new identity and to a new standard of who it is God is calling me into. Pastor Mark, that's such an awesome story. I bet that that was the end of the struggle, right? You gave your heart to the Lord and the next day, that was it. No, that was not it. (laughs) That old man will never be gone completely. He will come, he will knock on the door, he will look for you. He will look for you in times when you are down, when you are out. He comes like a salesman. He promises a lot, but delivers nothing. And there is a constant having to die to the old man and a constant having to go, but this is not who I am. This is who God says I am. This is the identity He's given me. And that is why community is important. That is why accountability is important. That is why all these things are important. But I believe all of us on some level have had to die to something on that sexual menu and submit ourselves to the Lord. Um, Why is this important? Why does it matter? Two things quickly, and we are running out of time here, but two things um, one of the things I hear people say very often is, well, that's in Genesis. That's old, and that's the old movie. That's like Terminator 1. Nobody cares about that movie. We all like Terminator 2. Jesus never said anything about it. So, wow, well, wow, well, we can do what we want. Okay, so that's not true. Matthew 19, verses 3 to 6. Listen to what Jesus says. The proud religious law keepers came to Jesus. They tried to trap him by saying, does the law say a man can divorce his wife for any reason? Jesus said to them, have you not read the blueprint (laughs) that he who made them in the first place made them man and woman? It says for this reason, a man will leave his father and his mother and will live with his wife. The two will become one so that they are no longer two, but one. Let no man divide what God has put together. Jesus would not refer to and quote, Genesis, if he disagreed with Genesis. Are you with me this morning? So Jesus refers to it and he goes, this is the blueprint. This is what we need to submit ourselves to. So we've now seen the context of sex, but what is the purpose of it? I'm going to give you two things here quickly. Genesis 1 verses 28, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in numbers. This is, this is just the math thing, right? Yeah, God was literally like, become more. Like, have more little dirt bags running around. <laughs> you want a whole army of little dirt bags. So you need to go for it, right? So step number one, why does God give us this gift of sex? Good Superman. Why is good Superman there? So that you can grow your family. Number two, Genesis 2, verses 24. Second reason, that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united To his wife, and they become one flesh. The purpose of sex is not just for them to have children, but also for them to be united. It is amazing how God removes something from Adam in creation and places it inside of Eve. God has literally made it that the male cannot be complete without the female and vice versa. To be more specific, God gives Adam and Eve the gift of sex so that they can become closer together as husband and wife than anybody else can ever imagine. Sex then is given to Adam and Eve as a gift from God, not only to grow their family bigger, but to grow their intimacy together. That is what the gift of sex is supposed to do. But unfortunately, what we've done is is we've gone, man, this is such a good gift. Let's try to use it in all kinds of places. And when we do that, we find ourselves in trouble. Last thing I want to touch on here this morning is this. God is the one that determines our identity, not us. God is the one that determines how we use sex, not us. Last one is this. God is the one that determines our holiness, not us. Genesis 3 verses 1 to 7, and this is probably one of the most significant moments in the story. It says this, now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, "Has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise... She took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. I want to showcase to you this morning that the entire morning we've been speaking about this idea and this concept of essentially it's about submitting ourselves to Him. That is where life is found. Life is not found in us trying to improve ourselves or us trying to create something new. It is about submitting ourselves unto Him. In this moment, we see Adam and Eve actually do something where they try to become like God without God. And in some ways you go, but isn't that a good thing? They're trying to be holy. They're trying to be like Jesus. They're trying to be like God. I mean, sort of that's kudos to them for trying. But they try to become like God without God. And essentially they try to become like God with knowledge and with wisdom. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1 verses 20. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? It is only in Him that true holiness can happen. Last scripture. I want to read you this morning, I promise. John 15, verses 4 to 8. God tells them not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and they do and they fall. And then Jesus comes along in John 15, verses 4 to 8, and he says, This remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself, it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. The key to holiness was never going to be found in eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, but the tree of holiness was always going to be found from eating from the tree that is Christ Jesus. We do not become holy by boosting ourselves up with new fads and new philosophies and new information, but we become holy as we submit ourselves to Christ And as we enter into a relationship with Him, and as we partake of Him like we did this morning, He will transform us from the inside out. He will give us life. He will give us peace. And He will give us joy. Let's stand in this place this morning. Let's close our eyes for a second here. Father God, I think that self-medication is the most natural thing for any of us to try to do when we're hurting, when we're lost, and when we're broken. Father, in our efforts and in our attempts to fix ourselves, heal ourselves, redeem ourselves, to become more like you in our efforts to really reach ourselves, Father, we have driven ourselves further away from you, and we've created a lot of hurt and a lot of destruction. Father, this morning, I thank you that you will call us back to the basics. You will call us back to the beginning, Father. I thank you, Lord, this morning that we can go back to the owner's manual. We can go back to the blueprint. Help us to go all the way back to basics, Father. Lord, we do not need to pioneer new things. We do not need to create new things, but simply to submit ourselves under what you have already ordained and you have already created. Father, I thank you that even though it is painful, even though it doesn't make sense, even though it feels so foreign and so weird maybe, I thank you, Father, that real life, true life, peace, joy is found in our submission to you and what you've called us into. Lord, if we have anybody in this place today that's hurting, that's going through a rough time, that's looking, that's searching, that's asking all kinds of questions about you, asking all kinds of questions about themselves, Father, I thank you this morning that this message would have ministered to them. Lord, I pray that you will reach them. You will seek them out. You will touch them in a special way that makes sense to them. I thank you, Father, that you are the redeemer. You are the healer. I thank you, Lord, that none of us are too far from you, but you have the ability to find all of us and rescue us. Lord, we honor you and we praise you this morning. Help us, empower us, equip us, Lord, to not only see your word and to see your will, but to submit ourselves under it. I thank you, Lord, that as we walk in your authority, we will walk in such a peace and such a blessing. We love you, Father. We thank you for who you are. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen and amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us this morning. If you need any prayer, there'll be people in the front that would love to pray for you. Otherwise, we will see you next week, same time, same place.